Cold Day of Light here. Welcome to Cat Big Fridays, episode number 53. The show that brings you latest and the greatest of guitar and music interesting news. As I mentioned, I'm Vlad. And once again, I'm joined by my co-host, a fellow coffee mass consumer. The man who put this show together while I was driving with my family yesterday. And the YouTuber, who I think you should subscribe to right now because he's oh, oh, so close to reaching the 2K subscribers. It's obviously Richard Morgan. Rich, uh, is the amount of hours you've practiced your thank you speech as soon as you reach 2K? Have you practiced it for over 20 hours now? Well, actually, yes, but I'm going to say unlikely. <laughs> I think I've devoted snippets. about three weeks to my to my speech so far. It's going to be a big one. Two thousand subscribers, crazy. That's a lot. When you think about it, in the grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of social media and YouTube, we are small fish. As is everyone in our little guitar niche, right? Yeah. Yeah. I watch some channels that have you know fifteen, twenty million subs. That's big. Mm. But if you sit down and look at two thousand, it's like. I don't know. Imagine playing a gig for 2,000 people. That's a pretty big gig. That's a very nice gig. That's the thing. Like yeah. it's online That's like in the UK of... where I grew up. If you do the circuit of 2,000 capacity venues, you've definitely made it. Yeah, More than. That, that, oh, that, Especially s- these same days. In, like, even, yeah. With even less, you're, like, you're highly successful if you like pack 500 to 1,000 people into the small clubs and arenas here. Yeah. That's really so, good. Yeah. I mean, 2000, I'm still in the beginnings. I'm miles away from you. And uh, we're both mere drops in the water of the bucket of subscribers that is, for example, Rick Beato. But maybe one day. If we keep this show interesting and exciting and informative and we're the first people to get to some of the hottest new products on the market, you never know. I might get to 3,000 by 2030, and by then there will be another speech. Wonderful. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, actually, as a speaker, I just had to check. I'm at a very evil 6,666 subscribers, so yay. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's probably people who want to sub to you, but they're just like... I don't want to disturb yeah. that. So we'll, yeah, we'll keep it waiting for it someone else to subscribe before, like, they can be the 6,668th person to subscribe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so evil as they scream in one of the Simpson episodes, I think. Yeah, but anyway, thank you for listening, watching, liking, sharing, subscribing. Last few episodes have been doing incredibly well, and we have, like, all credit to you, lovely people watching and listening. That's It's been awesome. And you've also kept commenting and asking us questions. And as with almost every episode, we're going to answer some of your com- comments and questions as well. And yeah, a bunch of stuff to cover. It's been a fairly busy week gear-wise. We have some breaking news that we're going to dive into in just a second. Because there's a Boss GX100 multi-effects unit release just like before we started shooting Andertons and a few other YouTubers dropped a video on that thing and I haven't hadn't heard like any rumors about this or anything like that so 
it's out. It's available for pre-order. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we also have a price for the Spark Mini, and it's actually more affordable than we thought. And a bunch of other stuff like PRS SEG. What's it called? G PRS SEG DGT. DGT. Yes, there you go. G's and D's. You mean but the PRS DGT SE? That's true. The easiest yeah, that, for me to say. Yeah, that's mm. interesting. A bunch of pedals were released, like a tiny speaker thing or a tiny amp to the GTRS thing. And Steve Vai is all of a sudden announcing a tour. I thought he was having a second surgery, stuff like that. We're going to talk about all of that. And in the weekend watch, there's also an amazing, amazing interview by Aldi, from by Rick Biaro, and he's interviewing Aldi Miola. And I watched it this morning and... So many interesting details there. I think I might have to rewatch it. But more on that later in the show. And yeah, just quick reminder, the show is available here on YouTube with the visual things and also on all the podcast platforms out there. And it would really help us if you give us a like, subscribe to the channel, leave us a comment, review, things like that you can do on all of those platforms. But without further ado, Let's talk about things that have happened recently in recent happenings. This joke is always as la- like even more lame than I think it is. And yet I keep repeating it. Traditions, yep. gonna uphold them. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, as we mentioned, there's a thing from Boss called GX100. And based on the design, it looks like a baby GT series. Uh, GT1000, they have the bigger GT1000 and GT1000 core. And I'm going to say it right away. This looks like the Portugal version of those units. And apparently that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Th- though we haven't like dived in like super deep into the specs or anything like that just yet because it was just announced. There was like one like leak on the gear page forums, but otherwise it, like it was just announced. There's a video on antigens, for example, that you can see here on YouTube. And yeah, we will listen to a few tones. Sounds like a boss unit. For better or for worse, yeah. I guess. That, that's how I would sum it up from quickly watching this video. It's funny, but we have a, a history and a tradition now of recording this show earlier in the day than the biggest product release of the next week. So we always yes. seem to miss what's going to be coming out. But we're recording this the day before the Cat Pick Friday. So this is recorded Thursday morning, our time, and literally the same minute that we had organized our meeting to to do this recording, we started to see these videos coming out of this product. So we've timed it pretty much perfectly, I would say. Oh, yes. But what we're going to have to do now is kind of go onto the Anderton's page and go onto the Boss page maybe and learn about this product with you guys because it's it's new to us as well. Vlad was yeah. saying he hadn't heard about it. I certainly hadn't heard about it either. So it's kind of jumped at us out of the blue. So we're going to have to see what it is and what it can do. Exactly. And first of all, I, I want to mention that this is the typical way Boss releases products. No hints, no teasers, anything. Boom. Here's the product. You can pre-order it right away. And yeah, and people this time who this do know about it. Unlike with the RA2. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. And people who do know about it in advance are sworn to strict secrecy. They so, are. And they're generally pretty good at that. You know, NDAs do their job. It's interesting how different it's been with the RE2, but I think that was just a dealer who unintentionally leaked it and started yes. doing pre-orders. <laughs> unintentionally. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was actually trying to find this on the boss official site, but the, the search puts me to GT100, which is a different product. I've got it. Just um, just go to the homepage. It should be there oh, now. There yeah, right there, yeah. Yeah, I, again, it looks like a baby GT1000. Yeah, and like you said, it, it appears to be their version of the Pod Go, and it sort of yeah. falls into that sort of price category as well. We're seeing yeah. £499 as the price on the Anderton's website, which might translate to about €600, Euros maybe, €650, Euros, $750 tops, possibly. It's always hard to measure these things. Yeah. And Anderton's say in the video uh, that they actually don't know what the exact price is going to be, but they have it for pre-order mm. at 500 pounds. Yep. Uh, so what do you think, Vlad, based on what you've seen? I mean, you know a bit more about the Boss multi-effects than me. The GX100 is a more streamlined version, but with a touch screen and drag and drop mm. and stuff like that. So what are your thoughts on it? Do you think it's a good addition to their range or do you think it was unnecessary? Well, it's probably a great addition to their range because they have the GT1000, which is 1,000-ish pounds, maybe. Then there's mm -hmm. the GT1000 Core, which has way less foot switches. Yeah, it's it's the pot go of the Boss GT series, and it just makes sense. Though, like compared to pot go, this seems to have more stuff going on. Like, there's an option for Bluetooth, I think. I read that you can like buy an external Bluetooth audio media adapter that allows you to edit and stream audio from an iOS or Android mobile device. So you can actually control this with a phone. But I think you need to get like some sort of dongle or whatever thing to be able to do that. That's interesting. Having a touch screen okay. is a huge improvement over PodGo. Whether it's a, like a really good touch screen, we do not know yet. Uh, I didn't really dive into Judging by. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, judging by the Anderton's video, a small portion of which I was able to watch while you went and prepared for the show, just in the background there, yep. the touch screen appears to be quite bossy in a way, in that it appears <laughs> to be rather old school in the way it looks. You've got this kind of weird, almost honeycomb, hexagonal design of the blocks. And there is actually a section of the Anderton's video where it takes them quite a while to to actually work out how to do stuff with it. It doesn't have the same level of uh, intuitiveness, let's say, that the Line 6 touchscreens seem to have. Yeah. Well, yeah, that um, looks kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely interested to check it out and see. Um, talking about this as kind of an alternative to the Pog Go, one of the biggest limitations of the Pog Go is the fact that in each preset you have four assignable blocks. So there's a, a certain number of blocks within your signal chain, but the amp is always there, for example, there's always a cabinet speaker there, etc. And you only have four different effects that you can change around and move around in the order. Yeah. But the GX100 has 15 assignable blocks, and I believe it is even more flexible in terms of where you can put them in the chain and what you can do with them. So that's a big difference. Yeah, it looks like you can do dual amp rigs, for example. Just looking yes. at the photo on the side, there's definitely dual amp rig going on. 
Yeah. I mean, touch and go, says the website. <laughs> I mean, uh, like looks wise, it look it, it's probably like every other boss unit, which is very, very well built, solid. Oh yeah, gonna last metal your chassis, lifetime. of course. Yeah. So, and yeah, there's the tone. I think it's called Boss Tone Studio that you can use to tweak this as well. So yeah, if you look it's, at yeah, yeah, if you look at the Boss website, there's actually a couple of interesting points. Um, there is going to be. Boss Tone Studio, which will be their editing version of it, but there is an asterisk by that point saying that Boss Tone Studio will be available soon, so it's not it's not out yet. Oh, interesting. Maybe I'll just read through some of the other features that we have, just so anyone who doesn't know about this Let's product can get it from us. Okay, so powerful, easy-to-use amp and effects processor for guitar and bass, so that's cool. 24-bit ADDA, 32-bit floating-point processing, and 48 kilohertz sampling rate which is basically me reading uh, a lot of nonsense, but it's less powerful than, for example, the GT1000 Core. Ah, there you go. I learned that from the Anderson's video. Authentic tube amplifier tone and touch response with AIRD technology. 23 amplifier types and over 150 boss effects. So basically any sound you could ever want is in there. Yes. Ultra-flexible amp effect routing with 15 assignable blocks, as we already mentioned. A wide selection of onboard speaker types and support for loading WAV speaker IRs. So that's going to be interesting. Nice. A streamlined modern design with intuitive color touch display and rugged metal chassis. Again, we've touched on that. Unlimited effects control with freely assignable onboard foot, <laughs> foot switches and expression pedal with toe switch. Connect up to two foot switches or an expression pedal for expanded control. Send and return effects loop for external pedals or the four cable method. A control jack for remote channel switching on your amplifier. Mm. MIDI in and out jacks and multi-channel computer recording via USB. Edit sounds from your computer with the Boss Tone Studio for Mac OS and Windows. That's not available yet. And as you also previously mentioned, Vlad, there is an optional Bluetooth audio MIDI dual adapter that allows you to edit sounds and stream audio from an iOS or Android mobile device. So they've thought of pretty much everything here. Yeah. You just have to buy a couple of extra things to get it to do 100% of what it can actually do. <laughs> yeah. This honestly like this doesn't feel like a like a dumbed down version of this unit. It's just a different more budget friendly take for those people who don't need all the processing power. The GT1000, for example, has. Uh, how many foot switches? There's like, uh, there's basically four preset switches uh, to C1, C2. So I'm assuming like control is what the yep. C refers to. Like you can assign something to those switches for presets, basically. And then bank, two bank switches as well, and an expression control. Yeah, I like. I guess it comes down to the sounds, and those are something that we haven't been able to check that much just yet because there's only a few videos out, and this like this product was like released an hour ago. So yeah, exactly. It's it's super fresh. It's box it fresh right now. Fresh. I've he I've heard a few of the tones from the Andertons video, and it sounds decent. It sounds like a boss modeler to me. 
I do always feel like there's a little bit of a difference when you're using this against an amplifier in kind of a direct A-B comparison. But if you were to take this out and use it anywhere, I don't think anybody would really know. It's just a case of if you literally have a tube amp in a room and you have this next to it, you can hear a bit of a difference. Sure. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah, I think like with all of these modelers, it comes down to like, are you willing to spend the time to learn how to get the best sound out of that unit? All of them have like their own quirks that you need to like work around to get the sounds you want. But I have zero doubts you wouldn't be able to like get really good sounds from this unit. Has a very extensive I.O. as well. Which is yeah, nice. exactly. Uh, and trying to find a photo of the I/O specs. So maybe? many different sounds and effects too. Twenty-three amp types. If you want to do that, one hundred and fifty boss effects. Everything from you know boosts and overdrives and distortions through to their more weird and atmospheric sounds. The slow gears on it, it has octave effects. It has pretty much everything. And I'm leaning more towards kind of at the moment with the Podgo that I have to using that just as an effects device. The, the bit where mm. most of the modelers fall down for me is kind of actually sounding like an amp and actually trying to run sort of analog drive sounds. So I'm mm. always, I think, going to be wanting to run sort of analog drive pedals and an amplifier alongside this. And with the GX100, you have the opportunity to run it for cable method in the effects loop of the amp, take advantage of using an analog tube or solid state amp or whatever you're using and run this for the effects. And you have basically all of those amazing boss effects sounds in there. Yep. Just had to check the Portugal wide version 359 uh, pound, UK pounds, that is. And then this is 499. There's definitely a price difference. Um, yeah. Hard to tell which one will sell more. But I guess a lot of people are. Like, I know, like, there's a very, very loyal, like, based with boss where people just trust their products there's people who have used boss products for 30 40 years and it's just that con- like consistency durability that those products have and i'm going to say a lot of people are going to get the GX100 because it's way more budget friendly than the GT range of units and this could be the whole rig for a lot of people. It's just yeah, that there's so be. many modelers out there. Yeah, what we really need is some store to have all of them in the same room where we can actually go and try them all out because they, they all have so many options. And I think at the end of the day, it's all about which one feels the best for you to use. You know, yeah. which one is easiest for you to tweak to get the sounds that you want. Because I, I think yeah. a lot of players just want to make music ultimately that's the goal right that's why we buy all this gear that's why we play guitar and you you do run the risk of having too many options with a lot of these devices and most of them do have way too many options and things that you can spend endless hours tweaking but yeah i like the look of this and i'm interested to try it i'm a big fan of boss as well and i want to see how that touch screen is in reality because it kind of looks like a computer game from the 90s or something it does (laughs) <laughs> it very much does. And well, I think we touched on this last week where we talked about like the importance of actual guitar stores. And this again kind of reminds me of that. And 
what you just mentioned, like I would love to go to a store and try a bunch of these out and compare because, yeah, I think it comes down more to like the usability and like which kind of logic you kind of relate yourself most to. So like Boss has their own way of thinking like this is how you structure your sound and this is how you operate everything and Line 6 has their own, then there's the head rush and fractal stuff and some other units I'm forgetting right now. But yeah, like which one makes most sense to you and feels kind of most intuitive to use? I think that might be the unit to go with because I think you can get great sounds out of all of these. So yeah, we're going to keep our eye out on like reviews and stuff, but as I mentioned, it's been out for an hour. So no in-depth reviews out just yet. And moving on to the next piece of news, the Positive Grid Spark Mini has a price and it's actually cheaper than at least I predicted. I think I predicted somewhere like 200 plus range. And Right now, you can get get it for one hundred and eighty nine dollars, and that's yeah, the, pre-order the very, and ships in May. Also, they say yeah that the very first people to order it, the super early birds, I think they got it for one hundred and seventy five dollars, which oh seems very cheap, doesn't it? Yeah, and yeah, we're we're seeing that these are going to ship in May. the The very first ones will have shipped in April, so. They're almost ready. Yeah. Nice. 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 But there's like yeah, a 500 unit run, and then this is player special run is also 500 units. So I'm gonna guess this will be this will run out very soon. How come they there are 500 available at 189 dollars? There are yeah. 500 available at 195 dollars. It's exactly the same package. Why have some people already bought the $195 one instead of the $189 one? Oh, yeah. What is in the player, a a player special edition for six more dollars? Uh, bonu- no, they both include bonus <laughs> alternate crimson grill. You can swap like grills on those amps if you want to. But what this makes no. There's a power supporter tier and then there's a player special. This makes no sense. Uh, perhaps if you order the, the power supporter, you get it a little bit earlier, but it's also cheaper. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Uh, that's just something I oh. just noticed looking at this now. But it's just also, what I have to mention all. is that if you get it, like black units are almost all sold out, but if you switch to Pearl, there's actually like 200-ish of them left. Interesting. Plenty of those left, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I'm not surprised that one. more people want black. Yeah, if I was to buy one, I think I would get the the pearl one, just because it mm. looks a little bit different. Yeah, and it would also look really cool with the crimson grill. I think. Yeah, I totally agree. But yep, yeah, I'm gonna guess this will sell out really fast. And as I mentioned, it's more affordable than I thought. It's like price of your average Bluetooth speaker, like a JBL or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of tempted with one of these, but I really want to hear how it actually sounds. I wouldn't yeah. want to buy one if it didn't sound any good, but you never know. I guess we're going to have to wait until the NAM show or whatever. Yeah, and it I, will take time you know, before if, this reaches Finland, yeah, I think. 
if we were to order one of these, Vlad, you're in Finland, I'm in Germany, <coughs> we're seeing a price of $190. Would we have to pay customs on top of that? I assume we would. I think I would have to. Okay. Because everything over 50 euros or more, they might, might have even lowered the threshold to like 20 euros. Like you have to pay VAT on it, I think. Plus okay. possible like importing fees. So it's a little bit more so, in terms of customs plus the price of the unit. But still, it's yep. it looks decent. I mean, I have a it Yamaha looks- THR, so technically I don't need anything else small, but <laughs> this looks like fun. <laughs> and it has yeah, that jamming thing, like, app, you know? Yeah, as we're going to find out in the questions in the comment section, somebody used exactly that argument to get a Spark Mini. <laughs> I don't need it, <laughs> but it, but wasn't it was me. fun. <laughs> Yeah, are you sure? We're going to find out later in the show. But yeah, <laughs> if you want to pre-order one, we're going to drop a link in the show notes. So, And if you do, let us know. We'd love to hear why you are getting one, like your reasoning, or is it just like, it looks cool, I wanted one, and hit the order button. Yeah, let us know. And moving on to the next thing. Fractal Audio releases two new food controllers, and... They're called, well, they're called FC6 and FC12. And as you might guess, one has six foot switches and the other one has 12. You can guess which one is which. And you can use this to control your XFX3, FM9 and FM3 units. And what's kind of funny is the fact that prices for these uh, let me, I think I saw the prices somewhere just scrolling. Did I just scroll past them? Yeah. So the six foot switch unit is uh, 549 US dollars and the 12th one is 749. So the for the price of the foot switch, you can get yourself a boss. What was it? GX100? Whatever it was. No, yeah, GX100. But I mean, we're talking about completely different products, but just something that I wanted to point out. This foot, just the foot switch for that thing costs, or like the XFX realm of things, like costs more than a full modeling unit. But different products for different people, I guess. Something like that. Is this literally just a foot switch? Does it have anything yeah. else inside it? So you you can't use it unless you already have an XFX, for example. I am pretty sure of that. Uh, let's see. Uh, this photo doesn't tell me that much, actually. But I mean, I would I assume you... that that's the case. <clears throat> but that's yeah, mm. that's. I think the most expensive foot switch I've ever seen seven hundred and fifty <laughs> bucks. Because that will translate to euros, probably, once it makes it here. It could be even more. It could be 850, yeah, 900 be, yeah. euros for a 12-button switch with displays. That's a, yeah, I'm, that's a serious amount of money to drop on a foot switch. But, like you say, for someone who has that rig and wants this control and flexibility and has the money, it's the ultimate thing to get, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Like, there's a, it looks like there's like a mirroring feature or mirroring capabilities, you can have like, if you're in a bigger band and you run around the stage, you can have several of these foot switches kind of linked together. And when you hit one, like when you run to the other side of the stage, like it will mirror what's going on with your rig. 
things like that. So I guess that that's a thing for some people. I don't run around stages that much that I would need two of these, but you never know. Some people it is might. kind of a thing, you know, yeah. especially on bigger stages. And you'll have a lot of cases where um, the guitar player might want to have a switch at their feet, but you know, you've got a tech at the side of the stage who's otherwise doing the switching. And if you've got this mirroring there that you know controls everything at the same time, then that's cool. I mean, you you can do that by other means too. It doesn't necessarily have to be this way, but it's a cool feature. And yeah. I think certain fans of Fractal, and Fractal has very hardcore, very dedicated fans, will absolutely lap these up. Yeah. But it, it, it's just interesting to follow. Like, the prices are such that us mere mortals aren't really the target audience for these. It's more for the professionals, I think. Or people who just really, really want to invest in their rigs and then play for 30 people. Which I can also appreciate. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm okay with you being like super serious about your hobby and invest money in it. I, I don't think there's nothing wrong. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. I can appreciate it, hey, and it's not like I yeah. haven't spent like crazy amount of money in the past on guitar gear. And then same play for me in front of twenty people. <laughs> so, <laughs> same for me, and charged. I think the same for a lot of players. You know, I mean, I'm all for people spending good money on their hobbies as long as you have enough money to live and you know buy the things that you absolutely have to then yeah. go nuts <laughs> on your hobby and inspire yourself again that's what music's about playing music and getting inspired and having a good time so yeah exactly. the people who want this will undoubtedly buy one or two or three if they need it for their massive stage shows and exactly be able to run around joyfully without a care in the world and switched from wherever they choose to so nice yeah nice yeah PRS SEDGT is potentially on the cards according to David Grissom and yeah more PRS SE models uh, what does the DGT stand for was it oh you've caught me out Do there but I'm going to guess the, the, the D and the G stand for David and Grissom and the T stands go. for trem. Ah, that that would be. I've I've literally just made that up on the spot. So, <laughs> you know, come at me if I got it wrong. I honestly don't know. But the the DGT has an amazing rep. I've never personally played one, but you know, I frequent a lot of music forums. Giant nerd that I am, and the DGT is often kind of up there as being one of the best ever PRS models. Yeah. So were an affordable SE version at sub $1,000, sub €1,000 to come out, that would sell like the proverbial hot cake. Indeed. Yeah, there's a, uh, well, there's <laughs> the sub, subhead says PRS DGT SE question mark. And basically DGT is based on the McCarty model. So it's kind of PRS's take on a Les Paul, kind of. It lo still looks like a PRS, but I think it kind of aims for a less Paul-ish sound. And it has like a unique DGT neck shape, taller frets, special pickups, a revised control layout. And Grissom and Paul spent a year A-being more than 40 sets of pickups before nailing vintage voice of DGT humbuckers. So it will give you a less Paul-ish sound, but 
plays like a PRS. So a lot of people would say and we're course, more comfortable to play. Yeah, and of course it's double cutaway. So yeah, exactly. it's kind of half strat, half less Paul, but with less Paul sort of tones. Yeah. This could actually be like... if I would with... bo- Yeah, right. No, carry on. Uh, I was about to say, like, this could be the PRS I would seriously consider buying. This or maybe the Silver Sky, not sure. Because it looks great, though. We're, I was still looking at the, like, PRS. Like, the photo they chose here is P- just, just PRS, not SC model, because it's still rumors, I guess. But still, uh, I'm interested. Yeah, I'm I mean, interested. We don't know for certain that there's going to be an SE version, but it kind of feels like there will be. And I think they've probably had yeah. such a good experience with the Silver Skies that they're probably going to do it. Oh, I mean, why not? Wide version. I think the only thing they've got to kind of start thinking about is at what stage do these SE guitars become so good that we start to harm the sales of the full-price models. Mm. I don't know if that will ever be a genuine issue, but if they do more and more of these, then I think more people will start buying the SEs, obviously. Mm. But then again, like I think they're moving a lot to what Fender does, for example, because they have the Squires, then there's the Mexican range, then there's different tiers of US range as well. And I think PRS is kind of moving towards that. The most affordable SEs are very affordable, 300-ish euros. I think you can get something for that money already. Oh, really? And yeah, 300, 400 euros. So definitely can get some PRSs at least. SEs, that is. And then you go up, uh, I think, high-end SEs. So your Silver Skies, some other like Zach Myers signatures, which are like really good quality instruments already. What's what what is the like made in the US but but stripped down version range called? I'm forgetting other S two or something. I don't remember what what the range is called. But then there's like that thousand yep. is euros range, and then you go when you go up a few hundred euros from that, then you are already able to get some of the actual made in US PRSs. Well, actually, the S two range is also made in US. It's just stripped down, maybe. They save a bit of money on some of the QC and stuff like that. So yeah. they kind of have the structure also like, and I, probably it's one of those things like the more you have like entry level PRSs, people get used to like, like it's a lot of that has to be about the feel. Like people get used to how those guitars feel to play. They're pretty comfortable, ergonomic. And then when you got the means, you might want to upgrade to the next step, next one and next one. Uh, they have yes. that path yeah, you're now, right. I think. So, and having like a, a DGT and bunch of other these type of instruments in like sub thousand euro range is a great idea. And like I, I, I think like the Silver Sky, for example, the SE Silver Sky. Like I think a lot of people might get that, and then maybe just because they want that extra 5% of mojo that might upgrade to the US made silver sky at some point. So, I think yeah, they built that's a, a valid point. That, yeah. I, I, I could see like that is probably their plan. And I'm guessing like now that they've been building SE models for 
has to be over 10 years now at least. Mm-hmm. 10, 15? Something like that, maybe. Like, I think they're, they're probably making like a very decent profit on the SE models as well, so... Yeah, yeah, looks great. I, I think this is this is going to be a very interesting story to follow. We're still at a very early stage. Basically, mm. there was uh, an interview on YouTube that uh, David Grissom did with Five Watt World. The video of which you can see by clicking on the link that we'll have in the the show notes. It's on the yes, the page indeed. on GearNews.com that we're looking at at the moment. And right at the end of that interview, apparently, Mr. Grissom drops the hint that he's in talks with PRS about doing this. So, let's all stay calm. It's it's not officially confirmed in any way, shape, or form. It would take time to build, and you know, I don't think this year, for example, we're going to see anything at all. Mm. But could be. Who knows? Who he knows? could just be dropping a a big hint because behind the scenes, it's already all done. It could yeah. be that. That would be some smart marketing. So. Yeah, that would be cunning. Yeah. but yeah, this is another cool looking thing. Yeah, again. Retail stores. I want to go to one and try a bunch of these out at some point. And something that, well, I'm going to just say it. I'm not as interested to try out, but I could be 100% wrong. More launches at GTRS, oh, GTRS, PT, and R. So, guitars pattern, <laughs> I guess, for the GTRS Intelligent Guitar. It's a new 5 watt mini amp. And you can match the color of your GTRS guitar with this mini amp, basically. And well, it's interesting. Five watts of power, two point two inch speaker, which, ha- according to the Guinness.com article, has been designed to give a good bass response. <laughs> and yeah, rechargeable with USB-C, as is the GTRS Intelligent guitar as well. And yeah, should give you seven hours of usage. Plug in your guitar into the standard one quarter inch jack on, yeah. And also you can use it as a Bluetooth speaker. Sure, why not? I have serious doubts that speaker is going to sound amazing, but why not? Yeah, exactly. Do you know anyone, Vlad, who has the intelligent guitar? Apart well, from YouTubers? You- uh, well, if we rule out all the YouTubers, then no. Okay, no, I, I don't either. <laughs> I've seen a lot of these uh, on on our friends' channels, but... Yeah, me too. I, I've never ask. seen one in the wild. Again, I, I would love to see one and try one because the, the specs seem great for what you get. I'm interested to try out the effects. And if I was to try one, I would be interested to try this speaker with it, but I don't have any kind of, you know, real sort of conviction that these are going to sound particularly amazing. I mean, with a 2.2-inch speaker, you're really down at the the lowest end of what you can do in terms of a a wide range response and and bass. Yeah. The thing is, like, if you specifically... uh, Have you seen any, actually? Is there a price somewhere? I do not see one. But I mean, like, what I was trying to say is, like... (laughs) If you like right away at the beginning of the article, you already mentioned that uh, it's specifically designed to give a good bass response. Uh, it doesn't assure me that it's going to have a great bass response. It sounds more like they just had to mention it because everybody's going to ask right away 
what about the base response? And it's probably <laughs> not that amazing. <laughs> so, oh, I don't know. I guess the only thing that's interesting about this one is that you can go from your guitar into this unit right away like you don't. Though, doesn't that guitar also have Bluetooth? So could you like have put, link your guitar to a Bluetooth? Yes, you can via well? Bluetooth. Yeah, so it's so, it works via Bluetooth. What what's what? Why this exists? Uh, I guess the only <laughs> thing is like you can match the color of the speaker to your guitar. Yeah, that's the cool thing for for anyone who's really into the the intelligent guitar and wants to have a matching speaker, something to take with them for very very for yeah. portable travel. Then. That's what this is. That's what I don't it think is. it's going to be for anybody else. It's similar to the to the controllers for the fractal audio stuff. It's designed to go with another thing, and if you've not got that other thing, you're not going to be interested. Okay, so I actually ended up checking the prices, and it's fifty nine euros at Thoman, and they just there you go. Uh, it's not crazy expensive, but you can get a lot of different Bluetooth. Speakers for that price. Uh, they just say that will be delivery in several months. Nothing else. So delivery in means. several months. <laughs> yeah. You, you could also buy for about that price. You could get a Black Star Fly. That's true. Which would be solid competition for this, but something slightly different. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> Maybe not the most exciting products, but. I'm gonna guess a lot of people will still buy these, especially if they're like if you get to try one at a store, it might sound great, and you will want to get one just to match the color of your guitar. Yeah, exactly. So you can go busking as in the promo videos they or play on the subway as they did in the promo videos mm -hmm. for the GTRS. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. Moving to other stuff, Wolfgang Van Halen might have a signature guitar in the works. Question mark says gearguts.net article. And yeah, there he was using apparently it's called an EVH guitar. This kind of would you say that's that's a double cut, maybe semi hollow? Uh, looks like a Framus guitar almost, doesn't it? I yeah, think it Framus has some, something like that in their model range as well. Looks nice if that's a signature guitar that he's going to have. And yeah, the article says that it has like an Ibanez looking F hole. I don't remember what kind of F holes Ibanez has on their semi holes, but yeah. It reminds me of the F holes on some of the more quirky sort of European 60s based guitars, like Italia guitars, for example. It looks like oh, one true. of those to me. I mean, that guitar looks nice. See, says AVH on the headstock, block inlays, nice binding going on on the headstock. I like that. That's a cool looking guitar. No idea, like, I have no idea how pricey the EVH guitars are, but if this is a real thing, I would consider trying one out just for fun at least. Yeah, definitely. The, the shape is something a little bit different. I don't know if you're a fan of the relicking, Vlad. It's quite heavily relicked. I'd, li I'd like <laughs> one which was a little bit less relicked. 
I mean, it looks like a decent relic job, so I'm pretty sure that this would sure. be a premium-priced instrument, but it's sort of a mixture between traditional and modern for me. The body shape yep. and the F-hole make me think 50s, 60s, as I said before, but the black hardware and the pickups and the headstock in particular make me think of a modern metal guitar. <laughs> yeah. To me, this looks... I think the headstock reminds me of the Hagstrom guitars headstock. So I think yeah. that, that's a Swedish company and they do this type of guitars as well. So it's like a... Les Paul meets, like a, meets a Hagstrom guitar and this is what comes out of it. What a weird way to describe a guitar, but... If you happen yeah, to know it, both brands, you get the idea even without seeing the pictures. Yeah, it is sort of a hybrid of that kind of thing. Yeah. I, it's going to be really interesting to see if they do release this and what the response to it is, because obviously, for better or for worse, for right or for wrong, there have been some mixed responses to what Wolf Van Halen has been doing. Yeah, I don't think we need to talk about that too much now, but... No, we don't. Just, it's... You know, he he's had to put up with a lot. It's obviously very difficult to come through and be the son of a legendary guitar player, you know? Yeah. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he has a signature guitar, if people will choose to, to purchase that signature guitar. Yeah. That's the thing. But we'll keep an eye out on this story. And we'll see whether there will actually be a signature guitar in the future. KMA Machines, Pylon, Advanced Transformer Boost Noise Gate. Well, that was a lot of word. Advanced Transformer Boost Noise Gate. Sounds like you're advertising some sort of toy thing which has all the features. And more than just a noise gate. More than just, just a noise gate. So... Yeah, I There's mean, it's only been a couple gates. of weeks. Yeah, yeah. The, it's the year of the noise gate, and it's the year of KMA as well. I mean, they've released so it's quite a few new things recently. Yeah. I mean, I like this that it's literally not just a noise gate because there's like a boost function, there's a cut feature in it as well. Again, interesting looking graphics. Uh, yes. I, can you cut out just like some of the frequencies? What What is the high and low switch doing? Should have read that before, but... Yeah. Looks interesting. There's an external control option as well for it. I'm trying to figure out what, what that high and low switch does. Gonna read it. Uh, you can use two different modes to match the mode of action to your game. High mode ensures softly fading tones, while low mode closes super fast. Ah, there you go. That's smart. So two different kind of thresholds. Bonus gate. Ideal for palm mutes or chugga a la Ola England. As soon as the gate grips, the color of the LED changes from white to blue. And apparently you can also use it as a boost up to 30 decibels of gain. That's a Integrate lot of boost. boost circuit, that's a lot of boost. Can help fine-tune your sound, but it also serves as a damping element as well. And then the cut control tightens the bass and provides mid-emphasized and cutting lead sound when you push the pre-amplifier of the amplifier into saturation. Sounds like they've thought of 
all the different options, like all the different ways, ways people use nose gates for leads and stuff like that, and you can fine tune this to all of those things. Sounds like a KMA product to me. So, yeah, exactly. Well done. Just thinking that next level beyond. I feel like a yeah. noise gate is kind of one of the last pedals that many players will buy because it just, in a way, it doesn't actually seem to do anything in some respects. Kind of. <laughs> yes, it, do, it does do something, but it's not. it doesn't make your guitar sound different or give you a zany effect or anything like that. So yeah, at least exactly. for me personally, a noise gate is the last thing I would be considering, particularly because I don't play much super high gain stuff. But that said, yeah. with the extra options on this one, it takes you beyond just being a noise gate. So for me, yeah. for example, I could imagine that boost being pretty cool. I don't think I'd ever need 30 dB, but there we go. <laughs> yeah. Again, looks cool, looks KMA. They have this, I don't know, there's a almost like a, maybe Egyptian vibe to a lot of the designs. I'm not sure where, what kind of mythology it kind of takes its inspiration from. Maybe need to ask Enrico one of these days. But Looks nice, and it says that the KMA machine's pylon is made in Berlin and costs 189 euros, so in the same price range as a lot of the other noise gates that have been released recently, including, let's say, the Rev G8, also known as Gate. Exactly. Um, Big competition for that one. Yeah, true. And speaking of pedals, GHS pedals overdrive preamp is <laughs> based on a pedal that never existed. Uh, just Scott gets super geeky with this pedal release based on something that supposed, supposedly never existed. Uh, yeah, a very classic looking overdrive preamp pedal, which doesn't have too many controls on it. And it's based on a DOD overdrive preamp 250 that never existed. This new overdrive preamp from GHS pedals looks a bit like Gray and yellow incarnations that did get released, but has a different voice. So, yeah, sounds like a passion project from Josh. Once again, yeah, he's done a lot of these recently, and this is the the newest of them. There's already videos out there. Our good friend Eric from Living Room Gear Demos has a video of this pedal. Go and listen to that to hear how it sounds. I think pretty much every guitar player is familiar with the DoD 250 and the, the tonality that gives. You'll know other pedals like the MXR Distortion Plus, which I believe was the basis for the 250, or at least it's basically the same circuit. And there's a great video on the JHS channel where Josh talks about the, the legend of the DoD 250 and the progression of that pedal. And this new overdrive preamp is based on a version of that pedal that was never produced, but he found some kind of prototype or pre-series version that was never built into a commercial release, and that's what this pedal is based on. Yep. Looks interesting. I have to give a few demos a listen to find out how it sounds. It's not too expensive. 179 US dollars, uh, though I think there was a limited run. Yeah, there's a limited run of 250 units ah, in the same big box format as the original pedal that they stumbled upon, so you can be a pedal geek as well. Uh, but then I, I don't think the smaller version is a limited run. It's probably just, yeah, 
one of the standard pedals now in the GHS range. So, yeah. Yeah, so there you go. They, they've done a lot of homages recently. We've seen the Fuzz yeah. series. We've got this. But they've also done more original stuff. The 3 Series, for example, their more affordable range, which is under $100 yeah. or around €100 Euros for a pedal. So you can get pretty much everything from JHS these days. And because their marketing and YouTube channel is so damn good, I guess <laughs> all their pedals are selling in massively high numbers. They're a real yeah. good example of a company who's just doing this social media thing incredibly well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm guessing there's a bunch of old JHS pedal boards as well. If you happen to ha have one, let us know. Send us photos at podcast. Uh, yeah, podcast at catpicstudios.com. If you got a full JHS pedal board, let us know. Actually, we probably should do like some sort of like pedal board special episode where people could email us photos of the pedal boards and we can then judge them. Oh, oh, actually, we should probably do like we would guess what kind of music they're playing with the, those pedal boards. That could be a fun episode. That's a cool idea. So, Let's do it. Send us pictures yeah. of your pedal boards, everybody. Please do. Do it now. Yeah. Do it now. Yeah. Moving on. Thorpe FX unveils the Boneyard, a compact. Oh, I don't need that thing, whatever it was. The Boneyard, a compact fast pedal housing every tone bender variant. Um, so. Once again, we have a pedal that kind of has all of the tone bend, like all of the versions of a certain effect in it. And this time it's not JHS, it's Thorpe effects. And but of again, course, they have don't this... forget that JHS has their bender fuzz, which is very similar to this one. That, oh yeah, that's true. Indeed. Yeah, the musicplayer.com article says that after spending a number of years gathering enough Germanian resistors to build a fast pedal, that Adrian Thorpe describes as his idea of the ultimate tone better. Thorpe FX has unveiled the boneyard. And yeah, they have this. Uh, he's an ex military guy, so they have mm -hmm. these military themed pedals. And yeah, it has a bunch of options. And it does tone bender stuff. And there's a bunch of demos if you want to hear the pedal on the Music Creator article. Links in the show notes as always. And <laughs> in an Instagram post, Hope said the Boneyard was part of a vanity project and obsession. I made it this for me, a self-confessed tone bender fanatic, he wrote. It's kind of cool That's to cool. like Yeah. A lot of feels like a lot of companies when they're like well enough established, then you move on to just you know creating kind of passion projects, uh, knowing that w there will be probably other people who are as passionate at, about things like this. Like, have you ever played a Sorpy pedal? I have to yeah, admit that I've I have, never played one. I've played to you all. Well, first of all, I've done videos with Adrian at NAM. That's one, but also. I've played the, uh, what's the Danish Pete? The Dane, I think it's just called. The Dan mm -hmm. Danish Pete signature overdrive is killer. I think I have a video of that on my channel. So, yeah, it's a great, great pedal, and I wouldn't mind getting one myself. So, I'm really tempted yeah. with this boneyard. I mean, you know, like, yeah. like I've just said, I've never played a Thorpey pedal, but. 
100% of the people I know who've played them, now including you, say that they're amazingly built. They all seem to sound great based on the videos. And I've recently sort of, I'm on the edge of falling into the fuzz pedal rabbit hole. I haven't quite got into it yet, but I feel like I'm on the way to falling down it. And tone benders are the ones that are sort of floating my boat from what I've been listening to. And yeah. I know this one will be a great one, but there are so many out there. And I also know that fuzz is such a personal effect. It would really make sense to go and try a bunch out at a music store. This is kind of a theme of our episodes recently. Music stores, what great things. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it looks like every Thorpe FX pedal I've tried have been at least like, not not each of them have been such that I immediately want to buy it, but there hasn't been a single one where I would go like, ah, this doesn't sound that good. They all sound amazing. The build quality is fantastic. Yeah. You'll have very hard tra time trying to break any of them. Plus, the people behind the company are super, super nice. So, yeah, cool release. And you'll probably be seeing this thing on Rich's channel in the future. Or so, so it sounds at least. There's a strong chance that that will happen. That's an interesting idea. So, yeah. And... Moving on to the guitar that Rich will definitely, definitely get because this is like right up his alley. Dean Expanse. Absolutely. It's, uh, how do you pronounce thoroughbred? Thoroughbred. Thoroughbred. Not bread. Which is actually a kind of horse. I guess it can oh. refer to other animals, but like a thoroughbred racehorse is like a very purebred horse, like through very kind of tight ancestry lines, bred with only the best horses. And this D okay, is, that is a thoroughbred in that respect. Yeah, explains the name of the guitar then. Yeah, basically it's a single cut with a Floyd Rose. Something that we both love. Uh, oh yeah, and you love a Floyd in, Rose. In our daily playing. Yeah, if you ever wanted to have like a Les Paul type of guitar with a Floyd Rose, you can get one. Uh, yeah, 24.75 inch scale... Nice quilt maple top on the guitar as well. Uh, any word on the pricing? Let's see, thousand ish dollars or so. Maybe a That's bit. It's pretty more. cheap for a thoroughbred. I would have expected yeah. more, to be honest. Although I don't know too much about this instrument, but the specs are really, really good. Yeah, ebony fretboard. Yeah, the Floyd Rose, as you mentioned, Seymour Duncan pickups. It's a shred machine. Again, yep. if you can get past the Floyd Rose, if that's your thing, awesome. If you don't enjoy the, uh, you know, the issues that come with owning a Floyd Rose, for example, when changing strings or tuning, then you won't want this. But this is for a specific kind of person. I've never yeah. owned a Les Paul type guitar with a trem on it, like the DGT, or with a Floyd mm. Rose on it, like this one. I, I don't know if it's something which I need in my life at all but this does look like a beautiful guitar from a distance. Yeah. Yeah, I guess like I, I completely understand the kind of appeal of a Floyd Rose because I have owned few Floyd Rose or whatever the Ibanez Tremolos are called, not Floyd Roses, but similar. Uh, once you set it up properly, like it just stays in tune. You just pick it up, maybe do very slight fine tuning, if, need, if even that, and you're good to go. 
it just stays in tune and you do all the worry yep. about tricks you want. So I know why people love it. It's just like I don't I don't do the whammy stuff that much and I hate swapping strings on a Floyd Rose guitar. So that's where I'm like yeah. I get yeah, it, I but mean, not for me. Yeah, same for me. I, I actually love every time I go to the blue guitar studio when I'm on the live stream. I love having a little bit of a riff on the ESP Alex Byrot model that we have there with the Floyd Rose. It's fun just to do that thing, but recently that guitar has been in need of a bit of a setup. And if you need to do that to a Floyd Rose guitar, you can't just do it in the way that you would with a more standard instrument with a standard bridge and with standard tuners. It's just much yep. trickier. And that for me is something I wouldn't want to own probably for that reason. I'm yet to come across a Floyd Rose equipped guitar that I love so much that I would put up with, you know, the the, the issues that come with the Floyd Rose part of it. That's how I yep. see it. Yep. Kind of agree with all of those. Mm. And from Floyd Rose guitars to a guy who actually, I think it's not a Floyd Rose, but he has something like that on his guitar. Steve Vai announces European leg of his upcoming Inviolate World Tour and I thought he'd be having like a second hand surgery or something like that. We I think we got a comment on that some weeks ago when we were talking about the hydro guitar, but it's either like the surgery was very minor or he doesn't actually have to have it. Not sure, but he's touring. He's doing a world tour of thirty four dates. So that's a yeah, nice so tour. He's yeah, he's back on the road in a in a big way and in June in Europe. He does in mm. this article speak a little bit about his surgery. He talks about how oh. his most recent injury came from using a pizza oven, which is quite <laughs> unusual. An unusual injury, but yeah, he's going to be back out on the road and I'm sure he's itching to tour, you know, having been injured and also being prevented from being on the road because of the COVID pandemic. So, yeah. There you go. I but just yeah. have to quote, quote this. I did something really stupid over the summer. <laughs> I told Eddie Chung last month. Uh, this is crazy. I have a pizza oven and I was putting a pizza in the oven. Uh, the dough stick sticks on a little plate and I had to jerk it really hard to pull it and I tore another tendon on this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Poor guy. But yeah, that, that's, the, that's the, the dangers of cooking hot food when you're a famous guitar player. Yeah. But yeah, he's back and he's touring. And one interesting point for me out of all this is that he's touring starting on the 4th of June, which means he will definitely not be at the NAM show if the NAM show is indeed yeah. on. Because the NAM show is on the 3rd to the 5th of June. And he'll be in yeah. Bonnie, Scotland and England during that time. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I see... Finland, here, Netherlands, Switzerland, Italy, Italy, Norway, Italy, Sweden, Austria, Denmark. Germany. Yeah, people avoid Finland for some reason. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's not actually, doing like, that much in Germany either. Oh, Berlin, so Nuremberg, and I think that's it. Yeah, looks like nothing he's in the West at all. Festivals as well. Yeah. Yeah. In Toulouse, France, there's, there's a place called Le Bikini. Nice. Cool. 
So yeah, I'd love to see, see Steve Vai on tour at least once, just to experience the whole thing. That would be awesome. See if you can get to one of the Scandinavian gigs then. Yeah, we'll see. Get to Oslo it, or Copenhagen or whatever the other ones were. Yeah, see if Oslo, you can get Oslo, an interview with him or something. Mm, That'd be cool. I think Stockholm might be the closest one to get. Yeah. Uh, actually, it probably wouldn't be that expensive. I think you can get some sort of like a ferry or something to go across. Yeah, make a summer holiday out of it. Get in touch with yeah. him. Get an interview and a rig rundown. <laughs> that would be great. That'd be great. We'll see. There are actually some people I could contact to try to make that happen, but it's fairly unlikely. Who knows? So, you can always try to stay optimistic. Indeed. Maybe that will happen. Uh, something that's not optimistic is this article. <laughs> Don't worry about that for a picture. Yeah, that's a great choice for a picture, I think. Like The uh, title says, End of an Era, Music Mess Frankfurt is cancelled for good. Um, this, I think this doesn't come as a surprise to anyone because it apparently has been really bad for the past X amount of years. Then there's the COVID thing as well. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and won't return it, basically to say that it won't return its in its current format ever again. Yep, we kind of saw this coming. Now it's official. Yeah, so. no surprises there. I think it was in about, what, the mid-2010s, maybe 2013, 2014, possibly even earlier, when a couple of the big companies decided to stop going to the music messer. Fender and Warwick Framus were the, were the two big ones who stopped doing it first. And that created a domino effect of other companies who decided not to do it, and it got smaller and smaller and smaller. And the last one I went to would have been, I guess it would have been the 2019 one, because there can't have been a so. 2021. And it was a very sad state of affairs. And it's no surprise that in this current format, it had to die. It's a real shame because it's 40 years. It would have been their 40th one this time, so it would have been a big sort of oh. milestone show. But they do yeah. say that they might be making a more B2C focus event, which will be coming in the next few years, but it's going to be interesting to see if that actually happens. We have the Guitar Summit yeah. in Germany now, which is a great B2C event, which happens in September or August, depending on the year. And I don't know. I don't know if Germany yeah. needs another one at this point. Yeah, that's the question. Like, do do you need another one? There's definitely a need for one at least. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, for second or third year in a row, probably third year in a no second year in a row, because in 2020 there still was the Helsinki Tone Fest thing. It happened, but it was just like a few weeks before Finland shut down. Yeah, for COVID. But yeah. They cancelled it for this year just because it was too uncertain whether they could actually make it happen. So, in order to save money and hopefully be back next year, they decided to cancel it. I think they announced that in December already. So, okay. The Guitar like, Summit in Germany is still on. It's planned for the 9th of September. So, yeah, yeah fingers crossed that can happen. Yeah, and I mean, like, the Helsinki Tone Fest would have been in February, so 
that's what that's why they cancelled. Like we're uh, yeah uh, getting rid of most restrictions now over the next some weeks, I think. But at that time, like you just couldn't know. So I understand that. I actually know some people who are behind the whole thing, and I just thought that like, let's come back strong next year. It's a cool event, small scale, one day of guitar fun, and that's more than enough. And I think feel like based on the amount of people attending that thing, like there's a need for that kind of stuff, and that's exactly like like brands to consumers type of thing. So it's not for like guitar stores or like anything like that. It's not it's not an AM, it's available for public and people love to go there. But I don't yeah, think anyone will have a second this type so cool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think there's a need for that kind of stuff. So who knows, maybe there will be a new one. I'm yet to attend a single guitar summit one of these days. I might. That would be fun. I think what we want to do next is to answer some of your questions and comments in a section that is called Questions and Comments. Yeah, first question comes from, or well, technically it's not a question, it's more of a comment. Daniel, sorry, not Daniel, David K. Early bird pricing is sub 200 US dollars. I don't need it, but I bought it. And we're talking about the pos yeah. positive grid mini, a Spark mini. And yeah, I'm going to guess a lot of people are going to buy it because it's not that expensive. Uh, kind of looks, it looks fun. I'm going to say that. So why not? And as we mentioned earlier in the show, when we talk about the pricing, yeah, I think there will be a lot of people impulse buying this just because they can. Sub $200 is cheaper than a lot of boutique overdrive pedals. And you get a whole amp yeah, for that way price. Cheaper. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of people will yeah. fall into this category. I think ultimately, who needs almost anything when it comes to gear? Basically, <laughs> nobody. But, you know, the tone is in your we hands. We want it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the thing. Like, it falls into like impulse buy category, unlike the biggest park, which is, again, 500-ish euros or so, whatever it yep. was. Yeah, I totally get it. Uh, still hasn't sold out, Spark Mini that is, so, yeah, link in the show notes for you to check out whether it's still available for pre-order. And question, more specifically, a comment number two, we're trying to figure out what was the base Rich has, and John Gibbons says that it looks like a vintage modified 77. And I think you commented in that video as well that you found out what base it is. What is it? Yep. Let and John is right. It is a Squire vintage modified 77S. Yay. So based on a specific model from 1977. It is kind of just a pretty much a, a standard jazz base with the maple neck and it has the strat knobs and that's about it. Yeah, and white block inlays. So, yeah, I suppose that's a bit of a difference. It's, yeah, it's mostly a cosmetic thing. It's, yeah, one of those where, like, a lot of the old models are just sort of removed from the Fender and Squire websites. So, there's not much in terms of official information that you can find, but there's forums mm -hmm. out there and there are some sort of Squire wiki pages where you have plenty of information about these models. 
But if you Google Squire Vintage Modified Jazz Bass 77S, you'll find images and some specs and features of this very bass. Yep. So Happy thank times. you, John. And yep. Well spotted. Now we know what you got. Yes. <laughs> Finally, I know what yeah. instrument I purchased a couple of years ago. <laughs> that happens. That happens. And comment number three comes from Luis Diaz, who, again, on Spark Mini, and he says, I'm going to pass on this. I have the big one already, and I'm eyeing the Boss Katana Air. Uh, he asks something else as well. We're going to address in a second. But yeah, I get it. Like, if you have the big one, I don't think there's any reason to get the Spark Mini. Maybe I'm no. wrong, but that's how I think, at least. It just makes makes a lot of sense to not get one. That That's what I'm trying to say. Yep. I also wonder, like, Boss Katana Air, I guess it's maybe cheaper. No, it's actually, it's actually like no, surprisingly expensive. No, I think it's expensive. a fair bit more expensive. I'm mm. just going to check what the Boss Katana Air costs. But if you have the Spark, uh, but, do you need the Katana yeah. Air? Yeah, that's that's something that I wonder as well. Like, the Boss Katana Air is 420 euros in Germany. So it's just a little bit cheaper than the Spark, the biggest Spark, yeah. I think. Yeah, I'm not sure why would you need to get the Katana Air if you have the biggest Spark. Maybe they're different enough. Yeah. So interesting. Uh, the other thing he's asking is uh, why not? Why there's no review of PV? Viper X1, mm. a product, by the way, I don't know what it is. Uh, it's an no amp. one has touched it yet. <laughs> he Sorry. Says. Sorry, what, what, what were you saying? I said it's an amp. It's an amp, oh, really, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would you actually mind searching for that one before? Uh, while I rant about some companies not working with YouTubers, and that's yeah. probably the reason why it's not like there's no reviews on those. I don't remember PV working with any of my YouTuber friends or me, and I've never seen them at any of the YouTuber events either. And yeah, I guess they also don't do like official demos of their products. Did you find something about the Viper? Yeah, it's, it's just um, it's one of their modeling combos. The the Viper range has been around for quite a long time. The X1 is a yeah. a more recent one, I assume. The original Viper came out in 2008. And yeah, oh. between two and $300 or euros, you'll pay for the, the Viper X1. PV stuff is, or has a tradition of being really good. Like the, the unhung, the unhung, the unsung hero yeah, of guitar amps or gigging amps in the UK for a long time was the PV Bandit, you know? Simple amps oh, that sound true. great, were reliable and just did the job. And I remember trying a Viper some years ago and it was fine, you know? It was similar to all the other modeling amps out there. I've not tried the Viper X1, but just looking at it now, it looks to be very similar to some of the others. It has a bunch of different options, connectivity, sounds. It's probably pretty decent. Mm. It's 20 watts, loads of effects, loads of presets, 8-inch speaker. Yeah. Yep. I guess it just comes down to the fact that they don't work with YouTubers and maybe 
it's not like it's not a line six product where people would buy or a Strymon product where you could buy it and do a demo of it and then you know you would still able to sell it for like almost the price of a new unit and also get a lot of use. So maybe it's that. Also, yeah, I haven't seen like PV work with YouTubers like almost at all. I don't so recall that. seeing that either. And yeah. I mean, it's a very valid question that Lewis asks as well, because I don't think anyone's really touched that Vipex one amp in terms of kind of, you know, the, the more well-known channels that we know. There are obviously videos out there and even PV has a video of it themselves, but no one in our little sort of circle has touched it. Yep, exactly. And uh, the next mega question slash comment comes from Poor Ninja. Oh, look, that graphic almost covers our faces, which some people might find a good thing as well. Uh, anyway, first of all, he mentions the um, <laughs> about the Spark Mini omnidirectional base. That's, fu <laughs> that's a fun marketing term. Like bartender yelling, last call for band prices. Band prices having a 10% markup. And the actual last call is still hours away. Yeah, Rich, you're someone who has done a lot of these marketing things as part of your career. Do you agree with Poonage? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. I mean, omni omnidirectional base. It's... <laughs> just means space. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> I was just trying to, trying to think like base frequencies by nature are kind of very omnidirectional because it's very hard to like direct them into one direction. Uh, like that's why, for example, you hear, like if you're at a festival, you, you probably can't tell what band is playing, but you can still hear the low frequencies because they just travel everywhere. The wavelength is longer and kind of less affected by stuff like wind and things like that as well. So, <laughs> But yeah, hey, Spark Mini has an omnidirectional bass speaker in it. There you go. Yeah, Whatever it's it just a term that's in there to impress people or not, as the case may be, but... <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Yes. I've written plenty uh, of marketing texts like that in my time in the industry, and I shall continue to write more probably. I've never used the word omnidirectional, but I may. You, you'll have to now. It sounds, it ha sounds great. Like, sounds, it sounds like a problem solver for a problem you didn't know exists. Like, you'd read, like, hey, this has an omnidirectional speaker. Finally, I can hear my bass from my tiny speaker unit. Yeah, anyway, the other thing Puninja talks about is uh, finding a good local loser is a treasure to be cherished. My guy looks, looks like a Santa Claus, but he denies it. He's... Uh, who else makes cave calls to the moon? <laughs> and he also mentioned this, I'll do about everything to my guitars except fret work. I know I could... Uh, K-U-C-F? Ah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> it up, my trust for not slots, bridge adjustments, flow rows, blade edge sharpening, electronics, all no problem. I just won't mess with the frets. 
you can't unfile a thread, which is true. And swapping just one thread is a pain and could cause you some trouble playing-wise if it's not exactly the same material as other threads are. So I can imagine. Yeah. Almost the same, that, except uh, I probably wouldn't sh uh, like sharpen uh, loose or what Floyd Rose blade edge sharpening uh, something probably I also wouldn't do but I also don't have any Floyd Rose guitars so that's not really an issue electronics yeah I can do as well I don't want to touch frets because as Poon mentioned Poon Ninja mentions I just combined Poon Ninja mentions to pensions or something like that hmm we can Why use not? that word now why not yeah makes it quicker <laughs> We're all about speed here on Capic Fridays. Yeah. As he mentions, like, I don't want to touch the threads because if you mess them up, um, that's a big and a fairly expensive repair as well. We're talking about hundreds of euros at that point if you need to swap all the threads on your guitar. Something that I actually want to do on one of my guitars, but that's the story of another day when that will actually happen. Yep. Cool points, and if you want to have your comment or question answered or commented on, please do comment on the YouTube stuff or email us at podcast at catpickstudios.com and you'll be part of the next show. And before we wrap up and head off to the weekend, something for you to watch during the weekend. Uh, I love this video. But yeah, on that in just a second in Weekend Watch. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Video. It's not like you have anything else to do. As I mentioned in the intro of the show, there's an Aldemiola interview on who else but Rick Beato's channel. I, I, I'm not sure whether like he, like he being Rick Beato, invited him Aldemiola to his home or something. Kind of seems like that. But it's a very fascinating interview. Al actually plays quite a lot in this interview as well. And I know he he's such an interesting guy, like an amazing career, and he's influenced so many different kind of styles of guitar players. Because I know, for example, like John Petrucci is very heavily influenced by Al Demiola. And if you listen to what Al Demiola plays here, and then you listen to some of like, let's say, Dream Theater song intros, this very, very strong Aldemiola vibes and all the alternate picking stuff he does. And just a fantastic player. And I think Rick does a great job here making Al feel very kind of relaxed. And they just chat and he's really open about all the things. And I feel like, feels like Rick is able to ask all the questions he wants and Al is happy to answer the, those. Rick Beato, once yes. again, he just gets awesome people to interview and he's really good at interviewing them and asking them questions. And you can just see a smile on his face through this interview. Same goes for, like, I think we had a Brian May interview some weeks ago as a weekend watch. And like, when you hit play, you I, I can almost guarantee you'll probably see it through the whole interview just because it's very, very interesting stuff. Yes. I haven't watched this yet, but 
It's looking good. I've interviewed Aldi Miola as well. I interviewed him oh. for Hughes and Kettner a few years ago. Um, because he plays or played the era acoustic amps. And Aldi Miola ah. is an extremely relaxed and chilled out guy. And it was quite a, I'm not going to say a hard interview, but it was an interview where I had to be quite active in that sense. Based on the look yeah. on Aldi Miola's face there, he's much more comfortable being sat at home. He looks nice and happy and stuff. I just remember when we released the Hughes and Kettner video, some people started commenting saying, is Al okay? He looks like he's about to fall asleep. And I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> That's just the way he is. He, he was super nice, super cool guy. His family was there and stuff. It was really, really nice yeah. to hang out with him. It was a decent enough interview just talking about this acoustic amp, which he used for gigs, but there was no passion there or anything. So, you know, yeah. it was a tricky one. It was on his Opus tour in, must have been 2018. But yeah, yeah, Rick seems to be doing a great job there. I do like his interviewing style. He does it more in kind of the, the chat style, you know? Yeah. Just goes in and follows wherever it goes, you know? So I shall be looking forward to watching this one. Aldi Miola is a, an incredibly talented musician. We watched the show yeah. and what a wonderful player and a great kind of band leader as well. He had a pianist yeah. with him that night and uh, an accordion player. And Ooh, they were they were incredible. It was uh, an amazing show. Really, really good. But yeah, to, to go back to this video with Rick, looks fun and I look forward to watching it. And I think this is probably Aldi Miola's home based on the the guitars ah. there in the background based on the the poster and stuff i'm looking out to see if i can see a hughes and kettner amp but i don't see any kind of amplifier <laughs> there <laughs> there's definitely like some sort of blue backlight going on so yeah definitely i'm pretty sure we, we sold him that blue light and he's you know <laughs> he's keeping the faith there i don't Could know be? if he plays the h and k stuff anymore but yeah yeah yeah, highly, highly recommend. That's just a very, very interesting interview to watch. And yeah, he's one of the greats. And as I mentioned, he plays quite a lot in this interview. And um, there's something about like, you just, when he plays, you just like all of your senses kind of heighten a little bit and you just focus on listening to what he's playing. And like everything else kind of vanishes around you. I love that. That's exactly very what few, it was like when yeah. I watched him play. He, he couldn't play in our interview because we did the interview after his sound check and even after dinner before he did the show. So we had like 20 minutes. It was like 20 minutes before mm. the doors opened and we actually did it in the little kind of lobby bit right at the entrance of the venue. So people were starting to sort of appear there and we were like, I was noticing out of the corner of my eye, okay, I'm going to have to finish this very quick. But yeah, it was all good. <laughs> Yeah, actually, I was like just remembered as I mentioned, like Petrucci is heavily influenced by Aldi Miola, and there's a there's an album called I think is it called an Evening with John Petrucci and Jordan Rudis, so the piano slash keyboard player. Yeah, and they do this duo instrumental stuff, and actually, not a thing of it. It's very, very Aldi Miola influenced. Like he plays that kind of stuff with his. Nylon string here and yeah, yeah, kind of cool. Like it's one of those things. Like you, there's a guitar hero that had was a big influence, and then when you start diving into your guitar hero's influences, you learn new, new stuff. And Al Dimiola is one of those. So yeah, again, highly recommend to watch and 
That also wraps up Get Big Fridays episode number 53. Just had to check the number. I'm losing count, but it's also fun to count because one day we'll be at 100 and that's going to be quite something we'll have to... Maybe if we start our 100 episode preparations now, we might actually have something prepared for that one. <laughs> Just a side note here. I'll start writing yeah. a speech, I think. Yes. you have. So now you have two speeches to write, basically. I do. See, we, we did a thing at the very beginning and then we came back to it at the end. How Somebody about that? Say that's smart. Smart marketing, scripting, something like that. I don't know. I call it Thank omnidirectional you so scripting. That's what I call it. <laughs> you just write in every direction. <laughs> well done. Yeah, thank you so much for watching, listening. Give us a like, subscribe if you haven't already. Leave us a comment or a question or anything like that. And have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Bye, podcast. Bye, podcast. I don't know what that was, but bye. <laughs>